Tales from the Tap. My name is Frankie, and this is my co-host. And the man. And we are excited to talk to you about pre-release Crash Course for Lost Caverns of Ixalan. Yeah, we're going to pretty much just go ham on just pre-release stuff, only the limited play. Probably not even going get, to get into the rares today, just because we're pretty strapped for time, and we want to get this episode to be digestible out quickly for you guys to get it in under an hour, hopefully. Really get uh, the mechanics going, get right into pre-release prep, and then start learning the cards that you want to try and getting ready for your sealed pools. Well, and on top of that, we can't help you plan for playing bomb rares, but the majority of your decks will be consisting of commons and uncommons. That will be true for uh, doing draft as well, so uh, helpful in a lot of ways. Yeah, and honestly, now that you mention it, I went through the rares last time, and I went through the rares this time, and I really can't think of anything in this format that's like, oh, this rare is so good. If you get this pivot or if you get this, your deck is going to be so good, like a Godric. You know, I couldn't really find anything that kind of stands out to me. There was a there were a couple cards that were like, this is pretty strong. Maybe I would pivot for this. But the format just seems a little bit more strategic, maybe a little bit more involved energy level than Walls of Eldraine, which is crazy because Walls of Eldraine was pretty high synergy. But at the end of the day... Certain cards were just better than others, so you were pretty obviously going to play those. Yeah, what I would say for Wilds of Aldrain, at least in my perspective, a little bit different from this set, that I think that that set was high in power level and medium synergy. Like, there was synergy, but it wasn't, like, crazy. Whereas in this set, I think it's going to be high synergy and high power level. Completely so, agree. And so there are some rares that like won't matter because the synergy is so strong that like you having a functioning deck is more important than you like trying to force red because you have that one dinosaur that like discovers four when it enters the battlefield. Yeah, and it is really really true. This set when I was reading the cards, I was like, well, every card has like I think the average text on a card is like a full paragraph. There's so many really strong cards. I can't wait to talk about the mechanics as well because the mechanics are super involved and they're kind of like stronger versions of things we've already had in the past. Where maybe they're kind of refining them, tuning them to a more power-creeped meta, if you will. <laughs> yeah, I think that there's there's a lot for sure to talk about in this set. And this, I mean, in my opinion, from what I've been looking at, feels like it's going to be like original Eldraine, where this might change magic in drastic way not necessarily for constructed purposes but it and i think there will be things for constructed don't get me wrong but this has felt on a new level from the past few just from some of the card previews yeah i definitely agree that at least ever since 2020 the sets have been really really powerful we're like an era of match 30 years and the cards are i think they're like no longer having limits. They're just like, let's see what we can do. Let's push the limits of the cards. And I think they're doing a great job. I think you can agree that limited formats specifically have been amazing. Standard has been really fun, in my opinion. Um, good enough that it made me download Arena again after having removed it from Alchemy. <laughs> but still, like, just, just overall really cool. Kevin's of Ixlan, though. We're really excited about it. With that being said, we're kind of saying goodbye to Walls of Eldraine. It was awesome. It was a fun ride. Your format is more or less over. I think Caverns of Ixalan is going to make a big impact on Sander, just like Wilds of Eldraine did. So certain decks that we were seeing a lot of, we might start seeing a big shakeup, I guess. But uh, in general, though, you were saying I think this is your most successful limited venture yet? It was. 
I uh, did the arena open and was able to qualify for day two in two bullets. Oh, yeah, I watched you do that on stream. Yeah, it was really, really fast. I, I had a good first run of like four wins, five wins, yeah. didn't get there. Second one got there. I was like, well, that was the easiest that's ever been. Yeah. Plus, with Wilds of Aldrain, that that's the set that let me hit Mythic nice. for the first time in Arena. So I'm like, even if, like, I don't think this was a GOAT format. Like, I don't think, like, oh my gosh, Wilds of Aldrain was just the best limited format of all time. It was definitely very good, and because of like the success, it will still be nostalgic for me when I think back on it. For sure, I think for me personally, it was like a favorite. Crazy because in cap, and I'm more or less thinking that even next year's sets are going to be even better because of the announcements they made with the play boosters. I'm still super excited about that. And I'm excited to see less jank commons like we talked about before, where commons that just don't matter for the format could be gone. One less slot in the pack. I don't care. I'm not going to miss that card uh, at all. And then hopefully there's just enough balance so that the colors aren't too fought over. This makes me feel like I missed my opportunity for a joke because I was going to be like, play boosters? <laughs> Limited's going to be dead then. <laughs> yeah, true, honestly. <laughs> it, 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 so this is it. Lost Caverns of Ixalan, and then it's over. No, we're well, back to packs, actually. Enjoy it while we can't back to packs. <laughs> oh, I still can't even think of a logo what we should do, but I, I, I kind of want to make a shirt. That'd be a, that'd be a really cool shirt, honestly. Speaking of shirts, we got the uh, got mine with the logo, Tails Cap. Got his going with the full logo. Pretty excited about that. I even got like the hoodie for Experiment Juan because it's so cool, but I got like a green hoodie. It's also getting really cold, so I needed one as well. And um, spoilers uh, for me, but I kind of, right, my birthday is coming, is going to be uh, needed more merch. Sure. So I sent my mom the link. Oh, that's merch, so funny. Which then we're going to get paid for. Yeah. Like I got the email being like, someone bought something from your shop. I was like, yes. Yes. And I wanted that. <laughs> right. I know. I ordered right before you added water bottles. I was like, damn, I really needed a water bottle. But the box was already so big, I didn't want to pay for double shipping. Um, yeah, either way, though. Uh, with that being said, anything else you're excited about, Ixalan, before we kind of like just dive into it? Yeah, I just think that there are a lot of mechanics to be excited about. And on top of that, the mechanics are very overlapped. Like, yeah. if you think of... Uh, let's say, right, we know that Explore is coming back, Caverns of Ixalan, but we also have this new mechanic of Descend, and you do have the ability to like be intentionally putting cards in your graveyard with Explore, that I'm thinking of like, oh man, even though like Explore is mainly in blue-green, and there's also, um, you know... I thought Explore was drawing cards most. I could be wrong. It's, well, we're going to get to it, I'm pretty sure Explore is uh, the creature uh, gets a 1-1 counter if it's not a land, and if it's a land, you put it into your hand. ability instructs a creature to explore. Its controller reveals the top card of their library. If it's a land card, they'll put it into their hand. Otherwise, they'll put a 1-1 counter on that creature, then choose to either leave that card on top of their library or put it into their graveyard. Oh, it has a baby surveil. You know what? I forgot about that. That's so crazy. So, right, if Sultai and, like, especially Blue-Black and Green-Black are oh, I need to get more permanents into my graveyard. Yeah. Oh, that means that we can be splashing and doing Sultai things For because sure. some of the Explore cards that are in blue-green you may want in your blue-black decks. Yeah, and, and there's so, already a lot of self-mill, yeah, which actually I'm really excited about. We'll talk more about it later, but self-mill, 
as an archetype has really gotten some love. Yeah, yes. Self-mill has gotten some love, and I think that this set is going to be... You're going to be really rewarded for knowing how to play magic in a broader sense. Yeah. Because mechanics like mill, I think, are... When you're having to self-mill, I think it's really difficult for people to evaluate if that is good or not. Right. And I think people are too worried about decking. Well, I also think it's an unexplored archetype. I'll explain more later because I have some thoughts on the other mechanics as well, but... I think it's an unexplored archetype that's finally getting some love in, in real different ways, which is really interesting to me. Yeah, and I think that on top of it, right, you have the crazy descend things that are happening, but because you have like end cyclers in this format, you can do, you can turn on some of those things like instant speed. Yeah. So it's like built in mechanics on creatures that then can become if you're close to those thresholds in combat tricks like instant speed entire buffs from yeah the fact that uh it's permanent from anywhere for like you talked about we'll get more into it um but for now i think the only other thing i'm excited about is the special guests that we're finally going to see and the jurassic park cards look so good um and then the other thing was that the land cycle i thought was really cool we'll get into it later but this is like one of the first times we had a land cycle that is one really uniform but also like a major ability like some of them will be uniform like in phyrexia all will be one where they were all tap lands pay two mana draw a card sack it but these are all uh pay five mana sack it discover four across the board oh the caverns yeah which they're so the cool caves. right yeah, and, and there are specific cards, and this is something I don't know how good they'll actually be. I think that playing is really going to give tests, but there are like a handful of cards in each color that are like built around like, buffs around you having caves. Yeah, oh, for sure. They and actually so, like made a mechanic and fleshed it out within the same set. Like, wait a minute, you guys are going to give us cave payoffs and multiple caves in the same set? Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it was so good, uh, genuinely. Like we were really excited about it, talking about it in the shop. Just like, oh, it's like twelve different cave cards, so they might be worth playing and definitely easy to draft. Yeah. All right. I know that is a lot of things, and we keep saying we're going to get into it. So let's let's get moving. In yeah, that for direction. sure. <laughs> so uh, before we do, uh, first. Things first, we have some just housekeeping things. Uh, right, the Patreon. We have a new patron from the last episode, which is Gabe. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We super appreciate all the support. And now we're almost at double digits on uh, our, our Patreon. And so, you know, we're just super excited to growing not only uh, from a community perspective, but also uh, with people that are supporting us and jumping deeper into the discord for us to talk about more magic consistently it's it's really great and we really appreciate that also listening those of you support via the patreon uh we also have right a youtube and we just posted our first video podcast and with that first video podcast we had i believe 25 people via our spotify and over 60 people listen, which is three, four times the amount of people we normally get listening yeah. to our episodes. Yeah, usually we're like averaging 30. We got close to 100 this time. So really appreciate you guys listening. And 
to all the new people listening, shout outs to you guys. Really appreciate you guys checking us out. Hopefully we can provide you some content you find entertaining. But all in all, we're really happy going forward with the YouTube channel. We're going to try to work on getting the quality up for you guys. As you can see, we did a little different setup this time. So hopefully our mics sound better. Last time our mic settings were just really off and our camera could obviously be better. But more or less, we're, we're just focused on getting you guys the actual content with the cards. And then we'll upgrade as we and we find the resources. So, yeah. We also have a ton of social media. Go ahead and check us out there. We've got Twitter. Uh, go, us, go ahead and give us a follow. Dan's got lots of hot memes that are coming in. Com- combos of, of, <laughs> of different cards that are happening. I try to stay active on the Twitter if I can. And if you guys post anything or tag us, I'll definitely read it and respond if I can whenever I see the message. Um, obviously, you can send us deck lists there if you'd like, but you could also just do it on the Discord and we can always talk about it there. Yeah, best place to do that is our Discord, and then our, our Discord, as always, is free to everyone, but you can get some additional perks and some additional uh, channels that you'll be able to see if you decide to jump on our Patreon. Uh, lastly, if you do have any questions, comments, anything at all, you can go ahead and email email us at talesfromthetappod at gmail.com. Yeah, you can send us links there as well if you want us to check something out. Uh, we're pretty good about dodging the clickbaits. <laughs> Uh, with that being said, though, we can jump into some Lost Caverns of Ixalan. Yeah, too bad that Wizards did such a good job at having, like, um... Oh, I know. I was about to say the whoa. same thing. <laughs> and, uh, one. One, whoa, bro, uh, dom. And now we have LCI. Yeah, LCI. Okay, for sure. Modern yeah. band cards. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Our, our DCI numbers? They're back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um... But for real, Lost Caverns of Ixalan, uh, we're returning to the plane of Ixalan, which I know is a favorite for Stan. Um, you have vampires, dinosaurs, and many new artifacts to discover. <laughs> I felt really proud about writing that one. For sure. <laughs> um, yeah, and like Frank said, I love Ixalan. Uh, it's one of my favorite themes. I love the Aztec Mayan stuff as a Hispanic person. Just so cool. Um the artworks they've done for this set, they like really leaned into it too. There's so many like the land flippers, everything. They're aesthetically really pleasing to me. And then uh, the abilities are just so cool and powerful that I'm just really invested in this set. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I keep like a specific set of lands that I use for limited. When oh, I'm for drafting sure. Or when I'm doing, uh, you know, sealed events. I have all the DMU lands, the right. stained glass ones. They're super pretty. But when I saw these ones, I was like, ooh, I might have to switch it up a little bit. Yeah. To go, go get some of these new hot ones. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it earlier. These are my new favorite lands. It's not close. Previously, it was the Kamigawa ones. So like they've really been one-upping themselves. But these, these basic lands are amazing. I actually was going to make a comparison to that. Do you like the Kamigawa ones or the... Yeah, straight up... Uh, not a hot take in my opinion. New best lands for full arts. That is, these are the ones. Not close. You heard it here Don't first. Me. <laughs> Go on TCG. Time to you know load them up right now. For sure. And if you, you try to get them from us, you're not going to be able to find them. <laughs> better if you crack. If you're cracking any boxes and you're not saving them for me, I'll be mad. I'll try my best. I have a lot of customers. Try his best. All right. <laughs> um. Okay, so let's start off by getting into some of the mechanics that we have in this set. We've got new mechanics, we've got returning mechanics. First off, we have uh, a returning mechanic, transforming double-faced cards, but with a twist, craft. Craft abilities are written with craft, 
which require materials and mana. And it means you control... I'm sorry. Exile materials from among permanents you control and or in your graveyard. Return this card to the battlefield. Transform under its owner's control. Activate only as a source. So the card that we're going to have pulled up is Unstable Lift Bridge. I think that this card is super sweet. Stan and I were actually talking about it before we jumped on to the episode. Unstable Glyph Bridge is 3 and 2 white. It is an artifact. When Unstable Glyph Bridge enters the battlefield, if you cast it for each player, choose a creature with power 2 or less that player controls, then destroy all creatures except creatures chosen this way. And then it has craft with an artifact, 3 and 2 white, and reads, exile this artifact, Exile another artifact you control or an artifact card from your graveyard, which is important because you can be using your graveyard to craft cards. Return this card transformed under its owner's control. You can only do this as a sorcery. And that transforms into Sand Swirl Wander Glyph. It is an artifact creature golem flying. Whenever an opponent casts a spell during their turn, they can't attack. You or Planeswalkers you control this turn. Each opponent who attacked you or a Planeswalker you control this turn can't cast spells in 5-3. Yeah, this card is really crazy. I mean, even in just Commander, it's kind of just going to be a house. Oh, absolutely. Um, but, like, the fact that it only needs one artifact to craft, the fact that it's kind of like a baby cataclysm just for creatures, obviously, but still, like, getting everybody down to die, and you're going to have this thing that can or less end the and it's a win condition slash baby board wipe so controlled I think control decks will really like it but mid range decks can which I find interesting. Yeah and it's important to know that when you're crafting right and especially for this set there's a ton of artifacts running ton of treasures running you can use some of your tokens to then help you craft and it feel okay to like make some trades or you feel okay to let things get destroyed and go to the graveyard because I have this craft thing in my deck. It's a lot to be thinking about, which I think is going to make deck building interesting. Yeah. But also just we were talking about this in general. A lot of cards that you felt like are just normally unplayable, like not good. You can't like you never want to put this card in your deck. So throwing craft on some of those cards so that, yes, it may no longer be relevant, a card may no longer be relevant for five, but because of craft, it's giving you some different um, value later on in the game. And so I think that that's what's going to be so sweet about craft. With that being said, my big caveat looking at cards with craft is that, right, not every game of limited, you're going to be able to get to doing the crafting. Because of that, you really want to make sure that the cards are good enough on their front side so that if you don't get to the back side, you don't feel bad for playing. Because if it's just stuck on your hand and you're like, okay, well, I need to have all of this set up yeah. and then play this card and then be able to do the thing, probably too slow. Yeah, not all crafts are built the same, but like Frank said, there's just so many different ways to abuse them and draw discard or surveil Effects like that are really not going to be the same. So we don't have Surveil this time, but we have like Explorer, which is almost the same thing. And then any kind of like maybe the Witch's Mark of the set 
wouldn't have been as good, but the fact that you're putting cards in your bin that you're going to get to craft with, it's going to start mattering. And crafting is not just artifacts. It might ask you for creatures. It might ask you permanence, etc. It's pretty interesting. Um, we'll show some of the ones that we found to be stronger than most and to look out for in your pools as we get down to the uncommons and commons. Yeah. Uh, next, we have Discover, which on Twitter, if you haven't been paying attention, is it better Cascade? Um, I don't know about Twitter, but it is just straight up better Cascade. This is insane. Um, and the fact that it's Discover X with a number allows them to build it in a way where cards can have lower CMC, but cascade into bigger things later. And then at the same time, the fact that you don't have to cast a spell, you can draw it from the cascade trigger or discover trigger rather is really high impact. I think there's a lot of cards that you're like, Oh, I went, I milled into this or flipped into it, but I don't want to play it right now. It's going to be even worse for me. But then you just kind of lose the card. It just goes back on the bottom of your deck otherwise with cascade and then just the fact that discover x doesn't have to match the cmc i think opens up the design so much in a way that they i think did a great job with in general yeah so discover means exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a non-land card with mana value n or less that card the discovered that card is the discovered card you may Pass that card without paying its mana cost, or you can decide to put it into your hand. The rest of the cards that you end up not playing then get put back in your library in any order. Uh, the card we have, for example, is Geological Appraiser. This was an uncommon, so be on the lookout. So, Geological Appraiser is two and two red. A human creature artificer. When geological appraiser enters the battlefield, if you cast it, discover three, and it is a three-two. It is a three-two that then, when it enters the battlefield, you may uh, flip cards from the top of your library until you get something of mana value. Right. So it could be a one, which is important to know because right. The big one that people have been talking about is that big 7-6 dinosaur with trample that like discovers for 4 or 5. If you end up hitting a dork off of it, that like that's the card you get. Yeah. So it's not just like yes, you may hit a 4 or 5 drop and then that feels super busted, but you won't always hit that in a limited. Right. The other thing that's important to know, at least and this is my question for you about it being better than Cascade in, I know we're not supposed to be talking about constructed, but sure. with with discover cards have to enter the battlefield, whereas cascade, like you write, use your um, shardless agent, and when you cast shardless agent, you're starting to cast. So even if the shardless agent solve, you still get the living end. But with this, it has to hit the battlefield. It is susceptible to counter magic. Right. Do you think it will have an impact in modern with counter magic? Um, I think it's hard to say. I think the, that just matters more about the card rather than the fact that it can be countered. Um, dies to removal isn't like a good way to evaluate cards at the end of the day, and it kind of feels like that, where the card kind of just stands on its own. Is this card good enough? Like, for example, the card we were just talking about, Geological Appraiser. It is effectively just 
a four mana cascader. If you look at it like not comparing it, if that card was four mana cascade, it does the same thing because it's discover three one less than the mana value. When you go to cast that card, um would having kept that card matter more than the fact that the card has to enter the battle where you should be about it. I think more or less hard to say the discover is strictly better, but I think because you have that flexibility, more often than not the flexibility is gonna be Yeah, it's it's I like to think of it in the realm of does entering matter versus casting because that that's the difference. That like I can violent outburst, I'm still Violent Outburst doesn't resolve, I will still get the thing. Versus, this has to hit. has to land. Yeah. Well, and I think there's some cards that have, like, death triggers for Discover. That so. It is true. There is, like, a... There is a... What? Five mana? It's a five mana... That Discover's three when it... Right. And I think because the nature of Discover being effectively on trigger stronger than Cascade... The drawback of your cards needing to resolve, kind of like um, Arthardic Reunion versus Thrilling Discovery mm. in Dredge. One of them is discard the cost, and one of them is discard when you're resolving. And for Dredge, it's pretty often that they're like, man, Cathartic Reunion is this much better or way stronger because then you can at least put the dredgers in your graveyard and you're not completely destroyed from a counter spell. But. Um, like you're saying, if, if counter magic is really that strong against them, I think the card more or less itself has to be powerful. Like you were talking about with the, uh, crafters, if the card itself isn't good enough without crafting, then maybe these discover guys have to be that much stronger compared to like a shardless agent or a bloodbraid elf, which is why this guy doesn't like have haste. Discover isn't on cast, etc. Yeah. Makes sense. With that kind of being in mind, for limited, for pre-release. Discover is not something that you can like build around. Like there are a handful of cards within the set that have discover, but you can't have like there's not enough of them for it to be like a discovered deck. You're not really gonna be polymorphing with them either or any kind of busted Charlotte Age kind of stuff. I would say it. Right. Like discover for this format is just upside. Like it's this card is good. And it has a sweet upside ability on it of discover. Because, like, and so with that, keep in mind your average, like, rate. When you think of, like, oh man, a one mana or a three mana one one is terrible, I'd never play that. If it has discover on it, it's still also terrible. You know, so you really have to consider when you're playing these, um, playing these cards. They have to have good rates, good bodies for them to be worth. Can't just be like, oh, it's got discover. It's awesome. Yeah. And uh, adding draw a card yes. to a card itself is honestly not bad sometimes. So like maybe three mana one one is bad, but three mana two two discover two. So you're almost always going to be drawing a card with it. Not as bad, or maybe it looks a lot more reasonable in your draft deck. And then you have to be comparing it to to like, well, how many two drops do I have? What are my two? Are my two drops high impact? Are the am I going to cascade or discover something that weak and didn't impact the format or the gameplay? Or am I going to be cascading, discovering? Sorry, I'm going to do that a lot. Probably, am I going to be discovering something that is actually 
feasibly, tangibly gaining me value, whether you are hitting a fight spell, but you want to keep it in your hand so you can play a better creature to use it with, or maybe you're hitting cantrip and you want to use it right away and you got really insane value out of it. And maybe you're like discovering two into like whatever the cathartic reunion or witch's marker draw discard spell tormenting voice of the format is. Now you're filling your graveyard up for not only your descend triggers because uh, that is from anywhere, not just the battlefield like revolt, but also um, gassing up your crafts. Yeah. Makes sense. All right, we're going to move on to Descend. So Descend and know that Descend is got a couple variants in it, which I think is important. Um, so, Lots. Uh, first off, we're going to start with Descended. So Descended, some cards referred to a player who has Descended this turn. This means that a permanent card has been put into, the, into that player's graveyard from anywhere this turn, which means you can cycle a card, like cycle one of those creatures, to... That counts for descend. If you're tracking a cave and it goes to the bin, um, if you're, all your revolt triggers plus surveils plus self mill uh, plus your opponent killing your guys in combat. There's all kinds of stuff that will trigger this, and it's going to be honestly playable in all colors. Most archetypes are going to be able to descend pretty easily. Like if you're trying to descend in pioneer or modern already, that's just like really easy. Let alone standard, where you have a lot of self mill. Yeah, and Descend mainly within this set is focused within three colors. That is uh, black, green, and blue cards that care about Descending because it is in the blue-black archetype, in the um, green-black archetype, yeah. and then some overlap between. It's so cool that they pick Sultai again. They always know how to get the flavor right. Like Sultai had a Delve, you know, Sultai more or less had a Revolt. Like, all these graveyard mechanics are usually Sultai. Like, a lot of the best dredgers were Golgari, you know? So, for me, I I just really like this mechanic. I feel like it's so strong. Obviously, there's only 19 cards in this set that reference uh, the Descend mechanic. But I, more or less, am really excited for the mechanic. I think it's probably the strongest thing that the set is presenting. I just find it so interesting because when you're comparing it to, like, Flashback, Dredge, Persist, Delve, Retrace, Delirium. It's like this guy has all of it. Descend has a little bit of everything. Um, obviously, Dredge is fueling itself, but Descend-ing is pretty easy. So, like, fueling that with any archetype or any deck or cards available in Pioneer, especially Modern with Fetchlands, seems so easy to me that just the fact that um, for example, the, the, the Descend 4 and Descend 8 that we're going to get to, the fact that it's Descend 4, which is way easier than Delirium, like way, way easier than Delirium to achieve. Descend 8, a lot harder, but a better payoff, right, that we see on some of the cards. I think it's interesting that they picked only 4 and 8, but we can talk about that more later when we, when we get into cards. Um, and then there's the Fathomless Descent as well that we were going to talk about. Yeah, before we get into Fathomless Descent, I did want to just at least click on the card that it's supposed to talk about for Descend. The sure. first being uh, oh gosh, I should have picked a card that I can read. How about Stalactite Stalker? Stalactite. That was the word. Stalactite Stalker is one black mana goblin rogue with menace. At the beginning of your end step, if you ended this turn, put a 1-1 counter on Stalactite Stalker and then you can pay 
two and a black sacrifice stalactite stalker target creature gets minus x minus x until end of turn where x stalactite stalkers power man if you need a tongue twister yeah they stalactite stalker i love the alliteration yeah, um this card is nuts by the it's way it's good and look at this little goblin man he's so handsome yeah this little boy uh he's, a, he's a boy but um it looks like my cat uh, <laughs> uh, what, what, one of the things I find interesting is like maybe for modern it's not strong enough but it kind of reminds me of Ravenous Squirrel where like obviously Ravenous Squirrel triggers on everything this guy's really good turn one where you like fetch Overground Tomb or whatever this guy and step trigger I got the counter already and then that's just the baseline you're kind of starting with on the Menacer um, every turn it getting better and it starting on turn one is kind of scary pretty cool I think in Pioneer, this could be like really, really abused, especially. And for sure in Standard, where we kind of already had like a black aggro deck. Think about like even just like roll tokens. Like when you're playing uh, that one mana black guy from the last set. Um, I'm already forgetting names, but it's a 3-2 that attaches a curse roll to itself. If you can get rid of that curse roll, which you're kind of already trying to do anyway. Fightful Hexmage. Fightful Hexmage, exactly. Then you are triggering your your uh, descend and your revolts too if you want to play some fatal pushes in pioneer which is kind of scary well i'm thinking about this guy in the realm of like rakdos sacrifice yeah whereas like if you sack at on your turn and this thing is all just i think it's only your end steps it, right that's what i'm saying if you do it on your turn yeah then you know you'll you'll get that trick still get some payoff right and, and treasures everything <laughs> yeah and what's what i like about this is that like okay Ascended. Ascended be only on matters black white, which is ready yeah. um sacrifice list. And then on top of it you have uh Racto, which is like specifically for descend as well. Um and so I think that it's cool that right we know that descended four and eight are in like full tie, but also like this card specifically is gonna be great in black white and uh, black red and you probably find even using it in your other so this card could just touch four different archetypes right. that are similar but different yeah and the fact that they were to design the way they did allows them to design it like frank said with it being an end step trigger because if this guy was every time you descend get a one one counter i think he'd be actually cracked like really really high power level uh maybe even just too much uh, to go to like be legal, but uh, I mean they are kind of pushing power levels as as we were saying. Uh, yeah. With that being said, did you want to jump into what Descend Four and Descend Eight is with our other card we have available? Yes. So Descend Four, Descend Eight. Uh, this card, these cards just care about you having four or eight permanent cards in your graveyard, and then you get an extra, you know, buff that turns on once you hit that threshold. I'm so glad you picked this guy because I wanted to specifically bring him up. Akawali, the Seething Tower, which is the three-drop Golgari Uncommon, I believe. Um, which is the coolest-looking fungus you've ever seen. And we got some fungus love in Ixalan. The fungi are so cool. The only thing I wish they had done is, obviously they wanted to stick to Descend 4 and 8, but if this one card was the one that breaks the rule, I would have loved to have seen this card have like Descend 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, and it kind of be like the Warden of the First Tree-ish card for the set. Um... With that being said, though, Descend 4, you're getting some number of power and trample. Descend 8, it's getting even more of a payoff, which uh, if you want to read the card off for everybody so they can see it on the screen, maybe 
hear it as well for those that are listening on Spotify. The card itself is uh, Descend 4 on a 3-mana 3-3. As long as there are 4 or more permanents in your graveyard, Akawali the Seething Tower gets plus 2, plus 2, and has Trample. So 3-mana 5-5 Trample when you've probably, like it was with Fetchlands, you already have that when he's coming out. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, Descend 8, as long as there are 8 or more permanents in your graveyard, it gets an additional plus 2, plus 2, and cannot be blocked by more than one creature, which makes it now 7-7. Seven, seven. Your blocks are bad, and I'm trampling over the one blocker. Yeah, it's almost unkillable, unblockable at that point. Right. And the reference, it wasn't said, it is it is three mana, it is one, a black, and a Yeah, so very, very strong. And in that kind of archetype where you kind of want to be doing stuff with it in the green-black deck, Absolutely. Uh, next, we have Fathomless Descent, which is similar to Descent 4 and Descent 8. The only difference is that it's a, you get a specific buff off of the more you have. So it's basically kind of like, think of it as Descend X, is, is the best way that I can describe it. Yeah. Uh, and the card that we are going to look at is Souls of the Lost. One in the black, this is a spirit creature. As an additional cost to this spell, discard a card or sacrifice a permanent. Which is also, okay, I have to stop. So cool about Descent and so cool about some of these mechanics that are asking you to discard a card. Like there's a two mana black kill target creature or planeswalker and you can like discard a card. Or lose three life. Yeah, or lose three yeah. life. And in, with Descent, you care about discarding a card. Right. So it's like, oh, in some cases, this is downside. But in this limited format, it's all upside. Yeah. So cool. Even in modern, though, like that card specifically you mentioned, um, if you can find the card, uh, you can put it on the screen for people to read um, after you're editing. The card itself is two mana, killer creature or planeswalker. You either lose three life or discard a card, like Frank said. But in like a deck like Death Shadow, where like losing three life is a plus more often than not, and then. You could even choose to discard where you're like, oh man, this Croxa is not really doing it, and I'd rather it be in my bin anyway. Now you don't have to worry about investing two mana to get it to the graveyard and get the four mana version with escape faster that way. I can already just start doing a lot of stuff in limited, standard, even modern. It's pretty cool. Well, or like parts like Gorgio's Vengeance, where you can like be killing something and then discarding the thing that you don't want in your hand that you then want to reanimate. Yeah. Like, what the? Yeah, anyway, it's pretty cool. Sorry. Souls of the Lost, one in a black. Creature, spirit. As an additional cost of the spell, discard a card or sacrifice a permanent. Fathomless Descent. Souls of the Lost's power is equal to the number of permanent cards in your graveyard, and its toughness is equal to that number plus one. Yeah, so it's kind of like a Lurgoyf, almost like a baby Tarmogoyf. Uh, this card is similar to one that we talked about last time, Cruel Somnophage and those guys from Walls of Eldraine. Just really strong. This is going to be like a 2 mana 5, 6, 2 mana 6, 7. A lot. <laughs> going to get out of hand very, very fast. Yeah, and especially in that archetype of the Orzhov wanting to put cards in the graveyard. Um, obviously, there's some Nambo-ish stuff going on with craft, but you're not really crafting as much in those colors when you're doing the Aristocrat build. So it should kind of work out. It seems like a really strong card. But that being said, it is a rare, so don't be like looking out for it to like find it for your draft. Um, it's just going to happen when it happens unfortunately yeah i mean this is like you're this if you pack one pick wanting this you're thinking okay i'm gonna want to do 
some type of descend. Right. Deck. Blue black, blue green, salt eye. What? And you're gonna be wanting, you're gonna be wanting to be careful with your crafts. Like obviously the guy can die, so you don't have to cut craft entirely. But if you get anything for crafting, you're gonna be wanting to be careful of, of your timing and your play with that. Yeah, crafting is mainly within the colors of red, blue. Those colors all care about having artifacts. So that's where really, you're really going to see like crafting a lot. It does have some in green, but in craft isn't touching black too much. So right. don't worry too much about it. Um, yeah. The next uh, one we were going to get into was Explore, I think. Yeah, Explore. So, Explore. If an ability instructs a creature to explore, like we talked about earlier, because I forgot what it does, <laughs> uh, its controller reveals the top card of their library. If it's a land, you put that card into your hand. It's notable that it's not draw. Uh, and then, otherwise, you can put a 1-1 one counter, one, one counter on that creature and then choose to effectively surveil that card, whether leave it on top or put it into your graveyard, which is going to feel your descend, like we talked about. And also feel your crafting as well. So the card itself, uh, the mechanic itself is returning, but it is a pretty cool mechanic, especially with the synergizing in this set. Yeah, so, right, if we think back to old Ixalan, and we think about one of the things that makes Explore really great is not only, right, are you getting Explore payoffs, getting to put counters on them, but in addition to that, you're getting card select. Yeah. So because you're getting card select, these cards automatically off the bat are like a step above other cards because card selection is great. Trying, surveilling, yeah. whatever, all good. And so a lot of these creatures are really great. The one that we have that we're looking at is C-Note Scout. This is a Merfolk Scout. One green mana. When C-Note Scout enters the battlefield, explore. And so you're having it, it's a one mana, one one, that when it enters the battlefield, you're either going to uh, be able to successfully get a land that you put into your hand, or card select. And yeah, so it's a one mana 2-2 two, two that guarantees you a good draw if you see something you like, or maybe dodges a card that you didn't want to see. Otherwise, it's one mana, one one, I drew a free card, so I, like, it just kind of speaks to the power level of the set. The set's Already going to be pretty strong. Shout out to this card too for being uh, kind of completing it where now we have a 1 mana 1 1 explore. We have the 2 mana 2 power explore. And we've got the 3 mana 3 power double explore. So if anybody wants to play some wild growth, wild growth walkers in Pioneer, that deck is going to be pretty cool. I want to see some action with that. <laughs> yeah, what I think is just so great about this is I I'm just trying to think about all the decks that are happening, right? know that we're going to be getting to like what types of archetypes there are but green red is really heavily focused on dinosaurs but you putting this in your deck you're like right on the curve it helps me get what i want automatically if i want a craft i can put something into the graveyard like explorer is working with craft or it heard is in the green red uh dino deck Doing blue-green explore what the deck is built around. Doing green-black and you're wanting to descend, great. You're building your descent on turn one. Right. Like, they're, every archetype that ha is touching green wants this card. And to me, that's like, wow, this, this is going to be deep. Because yeah. we want everything out of, uh, like, this card 
I want it everywhere, right. everywhere. And e- and the decks aren't doing the same things. Yeah, so the Very uncommons cool. and commons that stick out are really sticking out in this set. So even more synergy maybe than Wilds of Eldraine in terms of your deck building, but for sure the power level being there. Yeah, and, and with that being said, I think that that's one of the things that um, experienced uh, limited players are going to really like is that this creates a deck building challenge that makes not just the games fun because games of WoW were very fun, but when you kind of got into your archetype, you knew what you were doing and you knew what you were picking and it was kind of like on rails for the most part, whereas like this just allows you to stay open and allows you to do a plethora of things. Like you can pivot and like still have good decks and right. that's that's it what feels I think so much more me. fun when you can pivot at any point, even like deep into pack two. Yeah. Um, with Explore, there is a new mechanic through uh, tokens, map tokens. Map tokens are a kind of, uh, it is a predefined token. Each one is a colorless artifact with the artifact subtype map. And the ability is one mana, tap, sacrifice this artifact, target creature you control, explores, activate only as a sorcery. Um, I'm personally really, really excited about these just because uh, I'm already a fan of the way that they treat artifact tokens ever since they kind of came out with gold. Obviously, gold was the experiment and it failed, but they corrected that issue later with treasures. So we moved into clues, treasures, food, blood, blood power stones, incubators. We've always had these really cool artifacts that are integral to their sets and besides the... um. I would say treasures being the most used, most common, most uh, returning. The rest of them kind of can splash into other sets without a big problem. Like we saw in Lord of the Rings with food, it looked so good. Incubates are really awesome. They kind of actually are cards that you would think make uh, much of a difference, but they add up over time, especially when you're playing cards like Chromehost, Seed, Shark, etc., um, and then these kind of tokens also were like high impact in terms of like rules changes. They kind of gave tokens a little bit more of their identity when these came out. So I'm a big fan of them and I want to see how many more of these types of artifact tokens they can make in the future because they are more or less easy in terms of like how you can like fit them in once you have the idea of what you wanted to do as opposed to like a mechanic like this plan like a descend or cascade or bridge or energy you know these mechanics that are like a one-time thing keep in mind they don't do blocks anymore so it's not like we're having like the whole year to work with they really have to focus in on making sure the cards are good interesting not too strong strong enough that they're not boring and these tokens that they can just like pump onto cards kind of make it in a way that they can power up these cards without being one boring to broken and they can also be featured again in the future and they're easy to add to the cards now because of the way they updated the rules to actually have these cards count as rules text specifically yeah um one thing that like a big scuttle in the oh thank you todd (laughs) i wasn't close enough to my microphone again yes thank yeah, if you're us- if you see me look over, it's because Todd's like, I can't hear you. Um, we really wanted to sound good for you guys, so we're trying our best here. Yeah, we're trying our best. Also, Frank and I are both sick. You guys, you, you should pity us. <laughs> yeah, have mercy. We've got ear infection over there, sinus infection over here. 
Both of us are on antibiotics. <laughs> Todd, Todd has his own problems. Yeah, now. true. Todd's also he sick. Got, oh, he man. Got, he got the swine flu in California or whatever. True, triple whammy. <laughs> <laughs> um, BlizzCon, though. Yeah. <laughs> it, I hope it was worth it. Uh, anyway, getting back to map tokens, a big in the limited community is this uh, idea that Lords of Limited talk about with rectangle theory, where the more rectangles you have, the more things that you can do. And so it, it, it was getting, they use that as a getting away from is a map token worth a, a card, half a card? Is it worth drawing a card, half a card? Or instead they're just saying the more cardboard, the more rectangles you're making, the higher up in value it is. True. Um, and so, in addition to that, I think that's so cool about this set and map tokens that, again, have in blue that is doing the explore thing. But our card that we're going to talk about, Spyglass Siren, one blue mana, flying siren pirate, which pirates matter, when Spyglass Siren enters the battlefield, create a map token. You could explore and put it on this so that you have a 2-2 flyer for or you could save it for a creature that you might want later or right red blue cares about artifacts and them entering the battlefield so this is good late if this enters because it's helping that synergy or if you're trying to craft you can save it to craft oh. or right you needing to tap a bunch of artifacts you don't want to crack the map token yet but you can use another card's ability to tap it or tap treasures without using them. There's so much, so much to do yeah, with 100%. map tokens. That's why I mentioned earlier the gold. Like, they started this with gold technically in Theros, <laughs> but uh, the golds were just too good because they didn't have to be tapped to uh, sacrifice and add the mana, which is why we got treasures. Treasures are, like, the perfect version of the card. Tap to activate... So you can either improvise or do your tap abilities or whatever. And honestly, they also give you affinity. But if you want to activate the ability, you have to tap it for that. So you can't both tap it for something else. And then you or get the card draw, etc. I do think maps are... I know people, uh, like what Frank was saying, people shouldn't really be too hung up on is this as good as a blood or not. I will say this, in general, of the artifact tokens, this is probably the weakest version which is why a lot of cards so readily make them, as opposed to like treasures aren't as free on a card. You're going to either be paying more mana, or the card is going to be slightly weaker because you're getting actual tangible mana, which is probably one of the strongest things in the game. Yeah, map tokens are actually kind of spark. There's not like a ton. Okay. Yeah. And they're I guess what I meant more was like uh, they, they're like, like the kill spell gives you two instead of one clue. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah, but this is still card select, right? You pay right. two mana, you're still exploring, you're, you're giving counters to creatures, you're getting lands. Like, it's still good. It yeah, yeah, for be sure. Good. Um, Only sorcerer speed really kind of dampens it for me a bit. Yeah. But even then, it's going to be like, I'm doing this. You got the answer. And like like we said earlier, dice removal is not a good uh, way to evaluate your cards. Obviously, you can... You're thinking about that when you're playing around it, and instance people will be better, but uh, committing your mana to explore, either they kill your guy or they don't, but you know you only lost a map, and it wasn't that bad. Um, and in theory, if that guy goes to the graveyard, then maybe you can start using him for crafting now. <laughs> yeah, I just think that if you were exploring at in speed, like, 
once they decide, and this is important for that once decide that the bigger result has to happen before anything. Hmm. So you can't like respond to it getting a counter or yeah. them putting it in their hand. You let the explore trigger resolve. Yep. Whatever they're going to do will happen. Yeah. And so I think that's probably why they didn't allow this to be an instant speed because think about right, you already have the ability to instant speed. Yeah. By like cycling, dying. I mean, dying in combat is not instant speed, but you could cycle something or sacrifice something and get instant speed interaction for descend. Right. If you could also do that with map tokens, I feel like descend would be. It's already going to be good. Is descend non-land permanent? Like not or non-token rather? It's permanent. Yeah. Oh, so right. when the tokens die, they also trigger your descend or, or having descended, right? Um. It does. But like I that's that's it. another good reason for it to not be instant speed, honestly. Right. Like that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, because like Explore allows you to put something into the bin. So you could be like, I'm gonna put this into the bin so I, I absolutely get my descent trigger. Now you get as two a, if you as, if as you a trick. It, yeah. Yeah. No no no, can't do that. And I mean, the maps do really reward you for like if you if you only wanted to descend once, if you only wanted it one time, well now I keep the card on top, I don't feel bad. Because yeah. I at least cracked the token. That's really right. really nice. Yeah. Um, what's it called? And we had a card to show for the token, right? Uh, we actually already talked about it. It was Spyglass Siren. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to show a second version or the token itself. But that's fine. Oh, yeah, no. No uh, worries. We'll let Todd do that. <laughs> do that, you know. You'll have a token right here the... somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Plotly, <laughs> uh, just chilling. <laughs> chilling. Uh, next, we have Finality Counters. So, Finality Counters work on any permanent, um, not only creatures. What the permanent does, if a permanent with a finality counter on it would go to a graveyard from the battlefield, exile it instead. Um, Great choice on the card because this is what we talked about earlier. Yeah, so finality counters, uh, you know, you could put this on one of your artifacts that craft. So, right, if it's on the artifact and they remove the artifact before you craft it, it is just gone then. Right. But you could bring that back from the because it's anything. It doesn't have to be a creature. Uh, whereas, like, we see a lot of, like, oh, this creature comes back like Denik. Denik in standard. Comes back with Disturb. If the creature would die, it's gone instead. You can just finality counters allow you to do this permanent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And honestly, I think they kind of add a cool um, tertiary gameplay where if you bounce the card or if you do anything else besides it going to the graveyard, you can still keep it. Just like, uh, it's like an ability counter, effectively, where it says, hey, this card's going to get exiled if it leaves the battlefield, so take care of it. Yeah, and normally I'm, like, annoyed by having more counters, like stun counters, shield counters, yeah. whatever <laughs> counters. It can definitely be a little bit daunting, especially if you don't have the boar hat tokens, which is why you should subscribe to the Patreon and get the boar hat token. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you know, bunny ear counters, like, I'm just, I'm, I'm over more counters, but yeah. this allowing you to be like, oh... I'm going to bounce this thing that has a finality counter on it, and I don't lose it forever. Right. Is, is pretty cool, and I think will make gameplay very interesting. So we are excited about that. Yeah, also, I think, is, is finality like a replacement effect? So like, you're not getting your descends if somebody has ways to get finality counters on your stuff. That is a good question. That is meant for a judge and not me. I think it's exiled instead, so I believe it is a replacement effect. I'm going to go ahead and let's, uh, tell you guys now. They're not getting the send triggers if you get that uh, finality on them, which is cool. Uh, and the card we have to show you is uh, one that I mentioned earlier, 
Uh, I'm pretty excited for this card personally because I was a big fan of Scavenging Ooze and Scavenging Ooze is pretty much unplayable now. I mean, he didn't even get any love in Standard that much, which is bad for me. But uh, Intrepid Paleontologist, one mana uh, generic and one mana green, so two mana total for a 2-2. Tap to add any color mana, so pretty good dork already, especially for dinosaurs. And then you have the ability to pay two without tapping to exile a target card from a graveyard. So it's not one green like Scavenging Ooze was, but two mana exile any card unrestricted from a graveyard, yours or your opponent's, is pretty powerful, especially in responding to abilities like your opponent trying to get their Cauldron Familiar back with food or any kind of reanimation. I think there's a five mana reanimation ability. and There's a four mana refurbish type card in the set as well. So being able to respond to those cards and take them really good, taking your opponents off of Descent 4 and Descent 8 or Fathomless Descents, making them weaker, really strong. The caveat, though, that makes this card even crazier is that uh, you can cast dinosaur spells from among the cards you own in exile with Intrepid Paleontologist. And if you cast a spell that way, it just comes in with a finality counter. So if you exile any dinosaurs, which there's a pretty good amount of them in this limited format, your own or your opponent's, now, assuming this card stays in play, it's a pretty good target for removal, you're able to cast these dinosaurs and get them back. And even if they do have a finality counter, you're just getting another body to throw out the board. And dinosaurs are pretty big, so you're going to like this card. I, I'd say like this is pretty close to a, hey, if you, you see this card, pack one, pick one, like try to go green, get some dinosaurs, snap it up. Yeah. And one thing that's important to know is that I, I'm not certain on this. I can't be fully quoted on it, sure. but I don't think that I thought that last Ixlon, at least within the limited format, dinosaurs were kind of mopey. Like, they just weren't a great build around. Well, it was a really aggressive set from what I remember, and like you could do multicolored so easily because they invented treasures in that set. So, like, a lot of cards were playing with treasures, but like, you could play. I remember playing like the mono black dinosaur, Pet or something like that, where you can start putting uh, death counters on guys every turn. And then you play it on turn five or six, and you're like, all those guys are dead now. Um, so I remember some of the dinosaurs actually pretty being decent. It's just if you got aggroed out, you got aggroed out. So you had to kind of like have a good deck archetype around that. Yeah, and I think that like some of the dinosaurs that you're naming, at least off of what I'm hearing, are like cards that were good that were dinosaurs. Right. Whereas like in this set, they supported dinosaurs being an yes. archetype yeah. to play consistently and well like really really flushed out in red green and it looks like it will be good yeah and so um exciting to see uh stuff like that like this card is for sure a reason to get into dinosaurs and dinosaurs will be great and honestly there was a decent number of reprints uh so like you're gonna see guys making a return like gishath and resplendent angel and cards that were already really good back then are gonna be really good again so it's exciting to see them i'm personally really excited to see a lot of the reprints also Throwing rest of it, Ilmak. Oh, man. Oh, no. I was going to say, again, with a shout-out to Wizards and, like, the design team and creating, like, just really, really good magic, but them reprinting Charter Course yeah. in a format that has Descend is, like, yep. oh. Did and and, and <laughs> Pirates did and Blue Aggro. And Pirates oh. and Blue Aggro. I'm so excited for Blue Aggro to be back. We're ready for it. Mm. Um. Next, we have the returning land cycle of the Restless Lands, and this will actually be the last of our mechanics. Um, and these are lands that are creatures. They are rare. 
You will not see them often, but know for splashing purposes that they're back. Restless Anchorage, which uh, for three mana becomes a 2-3 white and blue bird with flying. It's still a land. When it attacks, you make a map token. Restless Reef uh, for two and blue-black. Blue-black land turns into a 4-4 blue-black shark with death touch. When it attacks, target player mills four. Restless Fence, red-black. Uh, becomes a 2-3 red insect with menace. When it attacks, you may discard a card if you do draw a card. Restless Ridgeline, green-red, four, and a red-green. Becomes a 3-4 dinosaur. When it attacks, another target attacking creature gets plus 2-0 until end of turn. Untap that creature. Faux Vigilance. Restless Prey is the last one. It is green and white for 2 in white. Restless Prey becomes a 3-3 green and white llama. So many people are excited about this llama because we have a llama and magic. Whenever <laughs> Restless Prairie attacks, other creatures you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn. So it's a everyone gets buffed as this thing swings. These are um, cool. Tail to the llama. I think they did a great job with the first set. I was uh, pretty mid on some of them, but I found myself playing Restless Fortress like crazy and like a blue white control deck that I uh, posted in the Discord that I brewed. Really, really enjoyed it. And these are honestly really cool and really flavorful. First of all, the blue-white one, I'm really a big fan of because it's cheap to activate. It's a, it's an evasive attacker. And it makes you maps that's good with creature synergies. And we're talking about how blue-white aggro is actually getting some good uh, good stuff going yeah. on right now in this set. And the last time we saw a good blue-white aggro decks were like Amonkhet with Okrisha's Monument, uh, the Reflector Mage deck with Archangel of Tides that got, got Reflector Mage banned and stuff. Um, just a lot of really cool blue-white aggro decks in the past that we haven't really seen a lot of love. But obviously, we've seen some mono-white aggros. Azorius Soldier got a little bit of a blue splash, but I feel like we're really seeing like way more into the blue for Azorius aggro, and I'm excited to see these archetypes uh, hopefully do well. Yeah. And uh, green-white, uh, the rest is prairie. Very good for tokens that they are pretty hard-pushing now, especially for Pioneer. Well, they need to because tokens has been unplayable for a pretty long time. Pretty long time, and they're very cool. Love tokens here. Borsat tokens. Yeah, yeah Borsat tokens. We got you. We got you the tokens, guys. I'm um, coming. Watsy's not giving you enough tokens. You're going to get the ad slot. Hit us up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Thoughts specifically on the limited format. Um, as we mentioned, we think it's going to be highly synergistic. We also think it's going to be high-powered. We've talked about a lot of crazy things. There's more crazy things to come. With things like crafting the format, with things like there are certain things specifically that I'm talking about, like craft, where if it's a double face card, the card has to be worth it on the front side for you to want to play the back side. Can't just be like super busted on the back side, terrible on the front side. Don't play it. Uh, Not going to be good for you. I think a good example of that would be uh, there was a rare that I really like actually for command, but it's so bad for limited in my opinion. Hmm. Um, I'm going to call it now. I think this card is bad, but I could be wrong. The Enigma Jewel. Is a uh, one mana blue artifact that you uh, ha- that comes in tapped. It's legendary, so it's not like you can stack them. It is a soul ring, but it's only for activated abilities. So it makes two colorless mana for activated abilities only, which is good because its own ability is craft for nine, a blue and eight. So you can kind of feed itself a little bit. Kind of becomes a seven mana ability as opposed to a nine. <laughs> yeah, card is bad. Sorry. <laughs> me off so, so crazy that's funny um what's it called yeah no this card is stinky um it's cool though because it says craft of four or more non-land activated uh non-lands with activated abilities 
uh, which includes Planeswalkers and a lot of crazy cards. And Agatha Soul Cauldron is already kind of doing that kind of stuff. So when you flip this card over, on the back side, it's a legendary artifact that has all the activated abilities of everything that got exiled to craft it. So if you have a bunch of Planeswalkers, you can activate all these different abilities because this isn't a Planeswalker. So it's not going to be restricted to one loyalty ability. Um, and if you activate a, an ability that isn't a mana ability, you copy it. So obviously it's like a crazy like payoff. Never going to work in draft. Do not draft this uh, unless it's like expensive, in which case, you know, draft it. But I don't know if it's going to be worth that much money. This card just seems really cool to me for command. Shout out to the commander players out there. I've been really enjoying the 13th Doctor. Shout out to Doctor Who decks. So this is a card that I could see myself kind of playing in that type of deck or even just like a, I don't know, whatever blue-red craft deck you can come up with for Commander. <laughs> yeah, so craft cards, double face cards, just please be sure that they are good on the front side as well as right. the back side. Um, that's the important thing. The same is also true. Discover, like the card has to be good before the Discover happens, and Discover is bonus. Um there are other uh, things like Descend that please just keep in mind. Descend, you have the ability in this format with Sacrifice, Black, White, or Land Cyclers that there are going to be some instant tricks. Um, that is not going to be like something that's super common, but once you get closer to the late game, like when they're getting close to Descend, just like be careful when they're yeah. at like, if they need to send eight and they're at ask six, about cards in hand, yeah. ask about board state, ask about open mana. Yes. It will separate the good players from the bad players enough that I think you can get an edge on players just from optimal play, even if your deck is at a Yeah. Agree. Um Yeah, that's really all I have for some like quick tips. Uh archetypes. Some of these I think are more supported than others, and we'll talk a little bit about. So one, um, Blue white craft and artifacts. This is an archetype that supported, but hard. Like if you're blue and white, good cards. Blue and white, good <laughs> cards that are already good, and then you might have a couple. Oh, because I already have these cards that are good that are making treasures, or these creatures that are artifacts already allow me to have some buffs. Bonus. That's the way that you want to treat a deck like this. Not as like, oh, I'm trying to put all the, the artifacts together. Like, think about blue-white tap in, in whoa. Yeah. It was terrible. Not a good archetype. Not well-supported. But you could play a cool blue-white deck that just had really good blue-white cards. Yeah. I think this is going to be similar. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. Especially with how strong some of the cards are, but how spread out the strength. Right. Um, blue black, very supported, doing descend things. The same is also true for green black, also doing descend things. With a kick of explore. Yeah. Uh, well, blue green is explore. Oh, sorry. Yes, I make yeah. <laughs> Blue green is explore. Uh, that's their thing. Uh, black red is doing um, descending and descending like in real time. Like something went to the graveyard this turn, so yeah. I'm getting this buff. The uncommon card for that super super cool i'm i'm so sorry i have to pull it up because it just looks so awesome i have to play this Wait, card uh you seen the red black one yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's zoyo lava tongue it is a legendary goblin war with death touch it's a 
red and a black 2-2 at the beginning of your end step. If you descended this turn, each opponent may discard a card or sacrifice a permanent. Diowa Lava Tongue deals 3 damage to each opponent who didn't. So cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Gonna be sweet. Um, Red-green Dinosaurs. Green-white Go Wide Aggro. Um, Black-white is Aristocrat Sacrifice. Blue-red is uh, Artifact Synergies. And red-white is going to be like mid-rangey. You're tapping things. This is another one, blue-red and red-white. Both of those also. Think of those as, again, good cards that are in blue and red that you just may have some bonus pocket synergies, but you're not trying to do the artifact thing. Yeah. Just don't think also, they got to stop trying to make tap happen. It's not supported tap very well. Tap is cool, but it's just ha- besides Hilda, there has not been a good report for it yet. Sun counters are solid. Yeah, like even the so right in red white specifically, the signpost uncommon is a two mana red and white legendary human soldier. Whenever it attacks, you may pay you may tap two untapped artifacts on our creatures you control. If you do, discover three. Right. So it's a four mana four four, which is not bad on rate, but it doesn't do anything when it hits the battlefield. So it has to live another turn. Yeah. The thing is, if this doesn't get answered, it's going to get out of control really fast. Right. And so it's like, it's a good card, but is it like, if you saw this card, pack one, pick one, are you like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go into red, white, do that thing. Right, yeah. <laughs> Probably not. So, I mean, maybe we'll see, but I think on slow, paper, it seems a little opinion. slow. Yeah. Um, and last Exelon was fast. This, this one seems like it could be relatively fast. So that's it for the archetypes. Just some things to know about them. Uh, lastly, not really super fastly, but lastly, uh, we're finally going to jump into the commons and uncommons and hit you guys with the colors. Yeah. This is mainly of like, Hey, off the bat without testing, this is stuff that we think is just going to be good and cards that you should keep in mind. And most of these note, please, for listeners, I picked a lot of these cards, not like off of a synergy basis. So like you have to do the work of like crafting a deck together. A lot of these cards are like by themselves. These cards are good. Yep. Um, and if you want us to get more involved and more uh, details about our thoughts on it, you can always hit us up in the discord stuff that we can't fit into the podcast to get the episode out and under an hour and a half. Hopefully, I don't know where we're at on time. This um, is not going to be an hour. Yeah, it's going to be a little hours, long, baby. but it'll be video. So easier for you guys to digest. We want to make sure you, you guys can understand the, the very basic stuff first. Hit us up in Discord for the more complicated stuff, and we can definitely get your questions in. Yeah, we just want you to feel like you're going to go to pre-release, feel like you're a little bit a step ahead of people who are just looking at the cards for the first time. Yeah, and not feeling like you're lost uh, completely and when you open your packs. At least you have an idea of a few cards to start looking at. Yeah, so the first one, white, and these are not in particular order, white, Oltec Cloud Guard. This is a three and one white, human soldier, Flying, when Ultac Cloud Guard enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 colorless gnome artifact creature token. This is going to be great in, right, if blue-white works out for artifacts, it's making an artifact when it eats. And it's a 3-2 flyer, which is evasive. 3-2 for 4, a little understated, but... You get two flying. bodies. Yeah, it is flying, it's two bodies, you'll care about it in, in, in things that care about artifacts. You and care about it limited, in, two bodies is so hot. Well, and sacrifice. Yes. Like, yes. black, white sacrifice is going to love this. This is two things to craft. <laughs> right. Exactly. 
Um, next, we have the Glorifier of the Suffering. This card specifically, I have noted to be good in black-white only. Um, Glorifier of Suffering, two and white. It is a vampire soldier. When it enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice another creature or artifact. When you do, put a 1-1 counter on each of up to two target creatures. Sacrifice something in a deck you're already wanting to sacrifice stuff in, put two counters on something. And you have a 3-2. Right. <gasps> yeah, and honestly, sometimes drafting the deck seems easier than it actually is, and then if you don't get enough stack outlets, you're like, man, I have aristocrats and I don't have my viscerous here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's vampire, which... Vampires matter. Vampires matter. Vampires matter, especially in or- So excited. Cool, because they made a lot of big vampires, too, this time, as opposed to, like, last time the vampires were all tiny and the dinosaurs were all huge. Now there's, like, some seven-mana, eight-mana vampire. I'm like, okay, like, uh, you know, at least one. And, at and least. And there are four, three uh, vampire tokens running yeah, around, too. Oh, my God. Uh, you know what? That's and they're I- finally flying. <laughs> That's the thing I like about vampires. You gotta, you like them thick. Exactly, exactly, thick. and powerful. I wanna, I wanna play actual vampires. I want Soren to minus for out of dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, move out of the way, Galta. We got thick vamps now. Yes, sir. Uh, okay, so next, next card we have two mana, Iron Paw Aspirant. It is a one-two cat warrior. When Iron Paw Aspirant enters the battlefield, put a one-one counter on target creature. So it's a one mana one two, or it's a two mana one two that puts a counter on something else, or you can just put a counter on itself. I'm specifically thinking of this. There's a lot of like one one flyers. Like one, there's a one one flyer in white with vigilance. There's a one one bat flyer with lifelink. Like we like, talked about, blue white aggro has a lot of cards. When you're descending, it's crying. Like a that that becomes a two two with lifelink on turn two and it flies like game over and the power is split too so if you get it late you can actually still impact the board for what you want to attack with that turn so I just think that that card is going to be a solid if you get you'll play at least two if you get them uh and with that talking about flyers our last one is miner's guidewing it is one mana flying vigilance when miner's guidewing dies target creature you control explores so. One mana flying, wow. one mana, one one flying vigilance that explores when it dies. Yeah, really good actually. Too many things. One mana, one one flying vigilance already not bad. Right. And then the bonus. <laughs> yeah. The other flyer. Great blocker. Yeah, the other flyer in uncommon that we talked about, Rune Lurker Bat. One mana flying lifelink at the beginning of your end step. If you descended this turn, scry one. Again, put counters on that bad boy. And bad life boy, life. bat yeah. boy. <laughs> There's a lot of bats too. I'm actually digging the bats in this set. Very tons cool. Of bats. Especially because we're in the caves. You know, bamps, there's gonna be some zoo bats everywhere. Fungus. So many <laughs> tokens of different varieties. Yeah, they nailed it. I'm so excited for this set. Next, we have a uh, spring-loaded saw blade. This is one in a white, uncommon artifact with flash. When it enters the battlefield, it deals 5 damage to target tapped creature and opponent controls. I believe there's 11 or 14 creatures that have a toughness of greater than 5. So, this is almost killing anything. Important. Yeah. And then it has... Yes, instant speed. Has to be tapped, though, which will matter because not only are you tapping creatures from attacking, you're tapping creatures from some of these tap synergies. 
Right. It also has craft with an artifact. So uh, three and a white. Exile this artifact and another artifact. It comes back onto the field as Blade Wheel Chariot. Tap two untapped artifacts you control. Blade Wheel Chariot becomes an artifact creature until end of turn. So if you want to like tap treasures instead of curing it. It also is a five mana, or it is a five five that has crew one. So if you don't have artifacts to tap, crew one. This is what's crazy about some of these cards because you would already play two mana deal five to a tap creature anyway. Right. You would play that card regardless. Yeah. So when you're crafting, now you get that and then a five five body later. Yeah, five five beater that you can tap <laughs> treasures for. Or not treasures, <laughs> uh, maps. <laughs> this I mean it could be treasures, but the fact that it can be maps. <laughs> yeah. And it like, is, hey, I'm gonna show you on the map where um why i also think that this card is going to be cracked is because of this next card mischievous pup two and a white dog yeah we got cats and dogs running around yeah what's going on in ixel um dog is not in this cave anyway i'm so sorry (laughs) um flash three one when mischievous pup enters the battlefield return up to one other target permanent you control to its own hand because that other card is an artifact, you turn it and then play it. If you don't want to craft it, or you're returning these cards that are making tokens, or, you know, just so many things. It's going to be sweet. Uh, and lastly, this card's like kind of a hot take for me. It's like a, this could be good, or maybe not. We'll see, but I think it will be. So, it's clay-fired bricks. One and a white. It's an artifact. When it enters the battlefield, search your library for a basic planes card, reveal it, put it into your hand, shuffle your library, gain two life. Then it's got craft with an artifact. This cost is kind of high. Five, white-white. When It turns into a Cosmium Kiln. When Cosmium Kiln enters the battlefield, create two 1-1 one, one colorless gnome artifact tokens. And then it gives creatures you control plus one, plus one. For an anthem effect of plus one, plus one, two bodies. Still not really great for seven mana. Honestly, though, like, even at just base value, I'm going to just search my deck for guaranteed land drop, gain some life against the aggro deck. Sure, I don't have a body on board, but I have board state, board presence, and I don't taps for abilities, and it's just uh, craft fodder. Worst right. case, you're just like, yep. let me feed this to a different card. I'm not going to get seven mana, but at least I'm not dying super hard to aggro. And I'm guaranteeing land drops, which honestly, guaranteed land drops are, I feel like, I feel like criminally, criminally underrated guaranteed land drops. The amount of times I'm like playing limited and I'm like, man, if I just had one more land, I'd be crushing this guy. <laughs> well, that's like, um, I think the card was from Midnight Hunt. Huh? It was played in standard for from hand. Yeah. The card was just, it, it's standard play. Right. And it was good in the limited format. Yeah, it's like a too. Knight of the Right Orchid, just not as good as because you're not getting a 2 2 first strike. Yeah. You're getting like something. Yep. And so that's why I think that this card, that's why I put it on here, is because I think it's got, it has a chance. Right. I think I agree. I think, uh, I think your hot take is pretty, pretty, pretty spot on. That card seems a lot better than uh, it maybe getting credit for. All right. With that being said, let's jump into some blue cards. Uh, First one we got is River Herald Scout. So it's a Merfolk. We got some Merfolk on Ixalan. Starting to see Simic Merfolk back. This is a two drop, one and a blue. 
When it enters the battlefield, explore, and it's a 1-2. So kind of similar to the old 2-mana green guy that explored on 2, except its power and toughness are flipped. And it's just a merfolk. This is a solid body, a decent body, but the explore is where it's really getting the, the kick from just like ETB explore. And we talked about how blue-white aggro is going to be a thing. Start exploring on some of these flyers, and they're going to get scary. Yeah, and right because we have Descend, care about putting it in your graveyard, yep. so you can play it in blue-black. And um, and we have crafting in those colors, too. I mean, just sack the body after you explored. Right, and we've got blue-green, like, bonuses for ex- exploring. Right. The card, the card is wanted in multiple places. Next card we got is Waterwind Scout. So this is two and a blue, three-mana Merfolk, flying 2-2, two, two, so already pretty decent. Like, three-mana flying 2-2 two, two is a card I'd consider playing. And then it has, when it enters the battlefield, create a map. So it's not necessarily explore, which I think would actually be pretty strong on a 3-mana 2-2 flyer. So it's creating a map, kind of a little bit more balanced. Gotta put more resources into it, but still really good. And honestly, sometimes you might want the map more than just having explored if your synergy requires it. There's a lot of crafters that only want artifacts. So you can't always necessarily be like, well, I'm going to exile my creatures to, to this explore effect. Uh, really, really cool card. Did you have anything you want to add? No. Otherwise, the next one I got is... I got it. Inverted Iceberg. One in the blue, artifact. Inverted Iceberg enters the battlefield, mill a card, then draw a card. Then has craft with an artifact for six. Turns into Iceberg Titan. When Iceberg Titan attacks, you may tap or untap target artifact or creature. I'm sorry, I jumped in on this because I want to talk about it. <laughs> this is thing nice. Like, not as strong, but pretty close. And it's a thing in an iceberg. It, right, you're it's milling cooking. a card. Yeah, you're, mil- <laughs> you're milling a card, so you want this in blue-black. Then later can turn it into a 6-6 six, six that gives itself both. Or in red-black, you do care about artifacts, so you can use this tapping abilities can tap and untap other artifacts in blue-red. Card's cool. Yeah, agreed. Uh, next one we got is Hogwork Wrestler. One mana blue. So just a one-drop blue pip. It's a gnome. There's actually a lot of gnomes in the set, which I was surprised. A uh, hidden, hidden archetype that uh, I didn't expect to see, but they're really cool. Big fan of gnomes as a RuneScape player. <laughs> uh, Flash 1-2 for one. So Already pretty interesting, and then the ETB ability on it is target creature and opponent controls gets minus two, minus one. So this could potentially be a pretty sick ambush viper sometimes, uh, especially if you already have bodies in play. So then profitable. But um, like I said, it's just another cheap blue creature, and I'm really leaning into Azorius aggro being a thing. And it's an artifact. Yeah, it's, a, it's an artifact, true. And I just, I thought... This card made me think of you. Like, I know that you like wrestling, and like, look at this oh, man. Yeah. Look at this man's energy. Guys cooking. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. I appreciate that. Um, next card we're going to get into, I'm actually really excited for this one. When I saw the spoiler, I sent it to one of my group chats, but Confounding Riddle, it's a three mana, one blue, two generic, instant. And it's kind of like Supreme Will, one of the older cards we used to play from Our Devastation. It says... Choose one of two modes. The first mode is like the top four cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. 
Notably, I believe the last time we had this ability, it wasn't put them into graveyard. It was the bottom of the library in a random order. This is like way better. Way, way better. Putting them in the graveyard, it's kind of an extension of your hand. We've already talked about it. And it's triggering your descend. It's fueling your descend, fueling your crafts in that color as well for blue. And then on the other mode, it's counter target spell unless they pay four mana. So not the best counter spell, but because it's too generic, it's kind of easy to splash. And the fact that you can draw cards with it as well, it's going to be a good card. And I think this will be actually really, really good in limited too, not just standard. Um, the next card we got, if you want to cover for me there, Frank. I... That was one I just did, I believe. So you're on Spyglass Siren? Yeah, Spyglass. Sorry, I got by a further card down the road. I was no worries. The like text. I said, there's so many cards in the set that we're hyped for. We're and not going to get to all of them. So. And the, and the art's sweet. So Spyglass Siren, we already talked about this earlier. It's the one mana Siren Pirate flying when it enters the battlefield. Right. It's a flyer. It makes map token. One mana f- aggressive creature. Yeah. Next card, we got Staunch Crewmate. Two mana, a generic blue. Human Pirate. Pirate synergies are going to matter. Two power for two, so it's a 2-1. Um, the one toughness can matter for like the cards like we talked about earlier in those uh, matchups, especially mirror matches, but two, two power for two to- uh, mana, not bad. Enters the battlefield, look at the top four cards of your library, you may reveal an artifact or pirate from among them and put it into your hand. The rest go on the bottom of your library in a random order. That doesn't really matter as much because hitting pirate or artifact should be pretty easy in these um, archetypes that the blue players want to be playing. So you're either like a blue-white aggro, I'm playing pirates guy, or you're playing to the Jess guy, my artifacts matter type of deck, or you're crafting a lot. Guy is a body that can be crafted with as well. So the card itself seems really, really interesting. It isn't uncommon, so you'll be seeing a lot of it. And I really am kind of high on that card. Yeah, the only time you're not playing it is if you're putting it in like blue-black, right? Because blue-black, you probably don't have a lot of pirates, and you also probably don't have a lot of artifacts. I mean, if you are playing the Iceberg, or that one knife that like makes your opponent sacrifice a creature, then you're like, oh, this card's sweet. But blue-red is pirates. And, and that card will and miss. it is artifacts, so you're going to hit high, and you're fine to play it on two and just have the card replace itself. Or late game, you have no more cards in hand, and then playing a, tomb, a dork and getting card select. Right. Pretty pretty uh pretty good card, I think we both agree. Uh the last blue card we got is Lodestone Needle, another two drop, one blue, one generic. Flash artifact, so another one of these guys. When it enters the battlefield, tap up to one target artifact or creature, put two stun counters on it. I know we talked about not really liking tapping effects, but when it has like that many stun counters and when it's that cheap and it's an artifact, so you're getting board presence. This kind of card is actually one of those, oh, Azorius Tap sucks, but this card is pretty good anyway, so play it. Uh, and its craftability is really cheap. You only need one artifact to craft with it, and it's a three-mana ability with two generic and a blue. When you flip it over, the backside is Guidestone Compass. It's one and tap. Target creature you control explores. So now you just have an artifact that can let you explore every turn. For uh, a f- relatively free, honestly, because the fact that it's only one man to activate, insane. So your opponent can get rid of the uh, artifact from play, which they gonna, they're going to want to, or else they're just going to have so much card advantage. Yeah, I think that that card's mainly going to be good in the gr- the green, blue, 
explore shell because blue really doesn't have like a hard removal in this set it's like the bounce it's this flash speed tap something down yeah but if you go explore creature on one explore creature on two then on turn three you're playing this on their end step tapping something down, and then you can with your that have grown bigger, yeah. and then by the time that that's over you can craft with this and then you can outgrow your opponent's creatures i think that this is going to be really strong in an archetype like that and maybe good in other decks yeah i'm really looking forward to it in azorius aggro actually um really want azorius aggro so bad i want it so bad i I want it so bad is there a counter that we can have for how many times he said azorius aggro on this episode (laughs) (laughs) um it's just so good listen if i'm playing some flyers and and they're one ones or two ones but one block i'm like buffed except now i can tap your guy down for get in anyway and when i flip this card by the time your guy's unstunned mine are bigger like this seems really good he's cooking i'm just saying cooking (laughs) um uh, with that, with that being said, we're going to jump into some red cards. Yeah. So um, I'll a take braid it. is beginning to come back. A braid is going to be a braid is is back and it's hot. So, um, a braid actually hit believe like sixty percent of the creature. Not the damage really matters. And again, wizards coming in clutch. Artifacts matter. Artifacts are back. Now, braid somehow kills all the artifacts in the yeah, format. Yeah, this is going <laughs> to this is going to matter on both sides often. Often. So also a really good standard card. And it's a common. So plenty of them go around. Uh yeah, just no explanation needed. A braid. Get get some. Uh next we have the volatile wanderglyph. This is one in a red. It's an artifact, so matters. Uh Golem two two. When volatile wanderglyph becomes tapped, you may discard a card if you do draw a card. So excited for Blue Red's energies with this card. Because in the late game, when I'm no longer attacking with it, I can just use it as a tapping an artifact and then looting. What the? Yeah, card is very cool. Um, Child of the Volcano. I th- I don't, do you want to read this? Sure. Because Child I think that you'll like it. Well, let's find out, I guess. <laughs> so, four <laughs> mana, three generic, one red. Creature elemental, already not liking it. Not just kidding. Uh, trample, three, three. So that's pretty cool. At the beginning of your end step, if you descended this turn, put a 1-1 counter on it. Oh, that's really cool. So it's kind of like that black card we talked about earlier that was a 1-drop. But this one specifically has built-in Trample, which is arguably better than Menace, especially because you already have a bit of a bigger body. And you start descending with this guy. If you manage to even ramp him out in like the red-green deck, this guy could be really scary. Yeah, I just the, the ability to descend and then to continually grow this is going to be great. And the deck already wants, especially red black already wants this. Yeah. So I think this is just going to be like, oh, this is a staple in the. Yeah. The next one is Ancestors Aid. This is my hot take. This card is usually trash. This type of effect. Yeah. Ancestors Aid is one in a red instant. Target creature gets plus two zero and gains first strike until end of turn. Three eight treasure token. This is one of the ways that Wizards has tried to make cards like this that are unplayable, playable. Because right. not only are you getting an instant speed first strike trick, but it's also going to make a treasure token which might matter for later. So, I think that this card is getting closer to being playable again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that treasure will matter for sure. So, 
if you are playing that effect, you get a sweet uh, profitable block, and also you can even tap that treasure to like loot with that other guy. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, next card we got is uh, shoutouts to Minecraft, since we're crafting. <laughs> the diamond pickaxe for one red. It is an artifact equipment that has indestructibles, so a braid it can't actually kill every artifact in the format. But it's stop. <laughs> no, we don't have stop in the format either. I'm sorry. Get axed. <laughs> Uh, equipped creature gets plus one plus one and has whenever this creature attacks, create a treasure token. Equipped for two. Really, really good card. So dumb. This card is going to be ridiculous because you're not only going to be making... We all fable of the Mirror Breaker. Right. Right. Not only are we all fable of the Mirror Breaker, but I'm also thinking like while you're make while everything is fable of the Mirror Breaker, you're then later being like, oh, and then I'm tap. Artifact doesn't tap when I attack. So I can then tap the equipment. Very true. Very what true. The? This is too much. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. I like this card. Um, for whatever reason, if you t- decide to, I think there was a card. I don't remember the name, but they added like the. You know how blue red scissors used to be a thing. Yes. In soul artifact, whatever there yes. is a card like that. Enchant, enchant, make an indestructible creature is really good and limited. Like no problem. I don't know. I, I like this card a lot, and the fact that it can just. Make so many treasures, uh, they are going to matter. And especially in those colors. Right. Uh, next, we have Enterprising Scallywag. One in creature, goblin pirate. At the beginning of your end step, if you descended this turn, create a treasure token. Again, red, black. It will want. Yeah. Uh, next card is Belligerent Yearling. I'm super high on this card. It's a two mana, one generic, one red creature dinosaur. It has trample, and it's a three, two. So already, like, Honestly, really good body. But it has whenever another dinosaur enters the battlefield under your control, you may have its base power become the base power of that other creature. So notably, it's only base power, not toughness. Like, they could get really uh, way back in Andrasi went. Apologies. But um, this guy getting, like, if you play this guy in turn two, and then on turn three or four, you're playing another huge dinosaur. Not to mention there's, like, a one-mana dinosaur. Um, uh, dork, I believe there is. So, like, if you can get like some big four or five drop dinosaur early after getting this guy out on turn two, like this guy is gonna be damaged. Really strong card. Yeah, I think that card's sweet. Next, Sahili's Lattice. This is also a card that I think will only be good in dinosaurs. Uh, but I think that there's some scenarios where you're really gonna like it. So it's one in red, it's an artifact. When it enters the battlefield, you may discard a card. If you do, draw two cards. Then it has craft with one or more dinosaurs, uh, four and a red, which makes Mastercraft Raptor. Mastercraft Raptor's power is equal to the total power of the exiled cards used to craft it. So you don't want to get rid of your dinosaurs that are on the board, probably, but if they're locked down by a pacifism variant or if, like, you got board wiped and then your dinosaurs are just sitting dead in the graveyard and you have no way to reanimate them because you're red green, well, guess what? You can chop up those dinosaurs <laughs> and make this master crap raptor. So, yeah, I think that in, in specifically green red, the card's going to be decent. Plus, the uh, discard draw to is never bad anyway. I wonder if Agatha's going to be able to work with those guys too. <laughs> uh, next card we got is Triumphant Chomp. So this card is really cool. Uh, it's a sorcery, one mana, just a red uh, removal spell. And 
at sorcery speed, it's kind of um, nerfed a bit. But one red mana for two damage is like pretty popular, pretty pretty uh, often seen in these limited formats. So baseline one mana for two damage, not bad removal. It also has uh, text that says if if the greatest power among dinosaurs you control is greater than two, instead do that much damage. So when you're playing the red green dinosaurs, this is not just um, one mana two damage, which is already solid, but you can actually just like have three power like with the other guy we talked about, or some of these four mana dinosaurs that have four or five power, or even six power, some of them. I think there's a three mana dinosaur that has six power. So uh, this guy by itself can be one mana deal five or six damage. It's like an unholy heat in limited. So it's pretty strong. I think this card is definitely worth drafting. It isn't uncommon, so you're not going to see too many of them. Might be stronger than a braid, potentially. Yeah, I just think that if you are playing, like, even if you're not getting the dinosaur value out of it, it's still one mana deal to. Yeah, exactly. So this next card is Soyoa's Justice. Um, sorry, step over Chaos Warp. This is what I wanted to ask you about, of just your thoughts on this card, because I actually think that this could be a real thing in Limited. Sure. Right? The owner of target artifact or creature with mana value one or greater shuffles it into their library, then they discover X where X is its mana value. So, right, if they've got something super scary on board, you could just go, Zoyo is justice, spin the wheel. Yeah. What happens if they had a one drop? Right. And you, they just, you just got rid of a five drop. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like this isn't a bad card. Yeah, and honestly, like Chaos Warp, let's say you're playing dinosaurs and you have a lot of really big guys in your deck, um, they target your guy with a removal spell, you're like, bounce my own thing? Put it back in the deck. Put it back in the deck. Yeah. Try again. Try again. And then, you know, like maybe you hit a five drop into a four drop. It, their removal spell gets fizzled. You don't feel bad at all. Honestly, this card seems really cool. Yeah, people meme about it, but I think this will be real. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, Getting into the black cards. First one is Echo of Dusk. Two mana creature, one generic, one black. Vampire Spirit. This one has Descend 4, as long as there are four or more permanent cards in your graveyard. This has plus one, plus one, and lifelink. So it's already a 2-2 two, two base. The fact that it's... Descend 4 is really easy, especially in, like, Aristocrats. Really, really easy. Black wants to be descending. Um, two mana, 3-3 three, three, lifelink. This is good early and late. Really, really phenomenal card. Next, we have Fanatical Offering. One in a black, instant, as an additional cost to this... To cast a spell, sacrifice an artifact or creature, draw two cards, and create a map token. Not again! Yep. Deadly, deadly Dispute. <laughs> it's back. Uh, baby Deadly Dispute. It's not as good. Treasures are better, but card is still sweet. I think... Uh, still sweet. I think I saw... I, it was... um, What's his name? Doomwake was posting on Twitter, like, do you play copies five and six of this? And people were like, this is worse than Deadly Dispute. And he's like, I, I, I get that, guys. Relax. That's uh, why it's five and six. Five and six, though. <laughs> would you play? Five and six? I was like, I was like Village Rights already kind of taking up some of those slots. So it feels rough. But, I mean, it, potentially. Uh, the either way, though, Unlimited, though. The sacking of artifacts may matter. Like yeah. More blood. Or, mm. you know. True. Next, Greedy Rebooter. One mana, black, Creature, human, pirate. When greedy freebooter dies, scry one. Create a treasure token. One mana, one, one. You're happy to sacrifice in aristocrats. You're happy to throw this under the bus as a blocker and maybe get in some early damage. That's just good. Agreed. Next, we have one of the best removal spells in the set, in my opinion. It's called Join the Dead. 
two black and one three mana instant. This target creature gets minus five, minus five until end of turn, which already kills a ton of the format. And if you have Descend 4, which in black, we talked about it already, not difficult. This is a minus 10, minus 10. So this, I, I want to say everything dies. Maybe not Galta. I don't remember if there's a 12 power dinosaur again, but this has to kill like 99% of the creatures. And it's minus, so if they have indestructible guys, this gets around it. Something you're scared about is um, X-Proof or whatever. Yeah, card's great. Lastly, Tithing Blade. One into black, uh, for the commons anyway. That's what I mean by uh, One into black. When Tithing Blade enters the battlefield, each opponent sacrifices a creature. It's an artifact. Then it's craft with a creature. Consuming Sepulcher. Artifact. At the beginning of your upkeep, each opponent loses one life, and you gain one life. You're probably not playing a... Um, when this enters the battlefield, your opponent picks something to sacrifice, but... Later in the game, like if you craft this, they're on a clock, baby. Yeah, and you're keeping artifacts. Like a lot of these cards are like, card sucks. I hate this card. Wait, it's an artifact? Okay. Okay. Oh, it <laughs> does something later too. All right. Okay. He sold me. Um, next card we talked about earlier Bitter Triumph. Sorry about that, Todd. I know you're going to be editing later and I messed you up. This is the one I was referencing earlier. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's the um, two mana instant that says, Discard a card or pay three life as an additional cost and then destroy any creature planeswalker. Two mana, instant speed, unconditional removal. Really awesome. The caveat of having to discard or pay three life, I think, is easy to abuse in a lot of these black decks in every format. I think this card is for real. I think we'll definitely see it, at least even in modern. Um, but definitely pioneer, definitely limited and standard. Uh card is hype. Next card, Visage of Dread. One in the black, artifact. When Visage of Dread enters the battlefield, target opponent reveals their hand. You choose an artifact or creature card from it. That player discards that card. Only downside is if craft is super good or if you know, descend is really good, you may be helping them, but you're probably getting rid of their, one of their best cards. And then, craft with two creatures. Uh, it's five in a black to make Dread Osioso. Menace. 5-4, when Dread Osiosaur enters the battlefield or attacks, you may mill two cards. Yeah, and that's going to just keep feeding your descend. Really, really cool. Uh, the next card is Synapse Necromage. Three mana, two generic and a black creature. Fungus Wizard. Whenever it dies, create two 1-1 one, one black fungus creature tokens with this creature can't block, which is pretty high impact. They don't block, but like, you're losing one guy to get two bodies Especially in the Orisoff Aristocrats deck we've been talking about. I know we've been hamming it up, but it's just going to be so good. And this is a 3-mana three 3-1, three so kind of reminds me of like Minstrosity, where you're like, I want this guy to die, but he's also got 3 power, so he's so clutch. Um, getting in with this guy at all, it's just so much profit. Lastly, as an honorable mention, uh, I think this card will be good. There's not of like X1 removal, like just removing things with one toughness, so they should be safe for the most part. You'll and a real mana, a, like a real spell on this card, not just like your rat out variant. Yeah. But Deep Cavern Bat, one in a black creature bat, flying lifelink. When Deep Cavern Bat enters the battlefield, look at target opponent's hand. You may exile a non land card from it until Deep Cavern Bat leaves the battlefield. I'm actually seeing in the comments that they're like, this is better than Fight Sale Freebooter because <laughs> you can get a non land card instead of just a, I think. Booter just got a creature, right? 
yeah, this allows you to get more things. Yeah. Lifelink. Buying Lifelink. Pretty cool. Um, that wraps it up for the on the uh, black cards. Now we're getting into the green commons. We've got our first one, Armored Kincaller. So this is a dinosaur, three drop, green, and two generic for a 3-3. Three, three. And when it enters the battlefield, you can reveal a dinosaur from your hand. If you do, or if you control a dinosaur, you gain three life. So it's a little bit innocuous. It's not like the craziest card, but it's the common three mana three three that has upside. And gaining life can really, really matter in these aggro formats. And if you're playing dinosaurs, you're gonna get the three life a ton. Yeah. And if people aren't playing dinosaurs, they're taking a card, so you'll get them. Right, exactly. Eight. You just you just like, wait for it. <laughs> yeah. This card'll be great in a supported dinosaur. Uh, next, Basking Capybara. Capybaras are in magic. Welcome, everyone. <laughs> so, uh, one and a green. Descend four. This is a Capybara. It is a one three. Basking Capybara gets plus zero as long as there are four or more permanent cards in your graveyard. So, when you hit Descend four, this is a two mana four three. Very strong. Uh, next card is a cat. So, that's sweet. Two mana, two, two, green and one generic. When Malama Brawler attacks, target attacking creature gains trample until end of turn. Uh, so two mana, two, two, just like a regular bear, but giving other guys trample, pretty strong. And I think it's going to matter with dinosaurs because so many of them have such a big power. Pulls really good. Next is River Herald Guide. There's not much to say about this card. It's very self-explanatory. Isn't it also a reprint? I'm not. Um... Two and a green. Oh, no, Mer- I'm thinking of the wrong one. Merfolk Scout with Vigilance. When it enters the battlefield, it explores. So it is a three mana, three one with Vigilance that explores when it enters the battlefield. Yep. Doesn't seem as strong. Like Jade Light Ranger was obviously double explore, but this card is probably fueling. Maybe Descend is just too good, you know? Couldn't have Jade Light Ranger. Um, well, and Merfolk matters. Exactly. Four matters. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, Pathfinding Axdraw is the next card. It's a green and three generic for a 4-3 dinosaur. When it enters the battlefield, it explores. Another one. <laughs> Lastly, we have a poison dart. Well, I was just thinking dinosaur when like a 5-4 or 4 is like, that's going to be hard to block. I mean, it pumps your other guy that's a 3-2 trampler. Um, and yeah, hard to block like we talked about, so you can give it trample with the cat. It's just a good card. Yeah. Next, Poison Dart Frog. Little cutie pie. Uh, <laughs> is a one and a green frog with reach. Add one mana of any color. You can also pay two Poison Dart Frog. That touch into it. And it has reach. It reaches. It's a dork. I'm telling you, they're scared of the blue-white aggro players. And they're ready for it me. gains death touch, raids up in the late game. It's been a problem with mana dorks is that once you get to turn six, you don't care anymore. No longer. Poison dart frog. Welcome. Power creep. Uh, <laughs> next card is a one mana green 1-1. One, one. Merfolk scout. When it enters the battlefield, it explores. So, um... I don't know. If, I thought we talked about this one already. We did. Yeah. It so was, it was one of our like. This is yeah. an example of an explorer. Yep. One man explorer guy. I think there's another one that's like an X. So like that one's pretty cool. But this one's just one man explorer. Just good. It's just good. <laughs> yep. Tendril of the Micro Tyrant. One in the green creature. Fungus wizard. 
It is a bear that then in the late game for seven mana, you can put seven counters on target non-creature land you control. It becomes a fungus creature. So it's a bear on turn two, which a fine rate that then in the late game can make you a 7-7 land. Next card we're going to talk about is our boy, Thrashy B. Thrashing Brontodon is back. I'm so excited. Green, green, one. Three mana, three, four. Dinosaur. This card was all over the place when he came out in, I think it was Corset 2019. Uh, and he's just awesome. It's one mana to sacrifice it, destroy any artifact or enchantment. But it's a three, four body. Like This guy is so good. For sure, play him in limited. You play him in standard. I mean, and then it's unconditional. Get rid of any artifact or any enchantment. Like, this guy just makes your deck better. Next, we have Koti Scavenger. This card is only going to be good in a deck that's one. Uh, it is a uh, three mana, two and a green, three, two, with the send four. When it enters the battlefield, if there are four or more permanent cards in your graveyard... Return target a permanent card from your graveyard to your hand. Just get your best permanent card back. Yep. I have to send four. Exactly. Or three. I think the this is uh, the last green card we've got for you guys. It's Colossal Dactyl. Oh, pretty awesome name. It's green, green, and two generic. So four mana for a four, five. It has reach and trample. So great attacker, great blocker. There are quite a bit of flyers in this set. The reach is going to matter. Yeah. We have um, multicolored stuff. I'm not talking about it too much because the signpost uncommons, what the car types are trying to do, are all very good. Um, they're also uh, very obvious. Yeah, it's like they're super obviously really good. Like there's the two three dinosaur in red green that has haste damage. Uh, we talked about the goblin warlock. Talked about the fungus. The merfolk one is crazy. The blue-red pirate one treasure things. The black-white one is sacrificing. The only important thing I'd point out is that the uh, the black one is maybe a little overcosted. Yeah. Just read these cards. They're they're pretty straightforward. Yeah, we see legendaries that are uncommon. They're going to have like four paragraphs. <laughs> a lot of cards have a lot of text on them, so I really feel bad for the new players that are going to be coming in, but for you experienced players, definitely give the set a read before you come in. Uh, you're going to have a lot of judge calls no matter where you go to play, and if you're in our area, please come to the shop. We'd love to have you here. We're going to have extra tables out because we expect it to be a packed house. Uh, with that being said, did you have any final thoughts on the format for Limited before we wrap it up? Yeah, before we wrap up, uh, we are going to cut... 99.9 pick one card that you're of these rares that you're like I have fun with it for sure we, we we did want to talk about more rares and more constructed stuff but we just can't fit it in so we'll have to get it on the next episode for you guys um but with that being said I think I'll go with mine first I threw you on the spot sure, you're good. mine's gonna be corpses of the lost it is two in black it is an enchantment skeletons you control get plus one zero and have haste yeah when Corpses of the Lost enters the battlefield, create a 2-2 black skeleton creature token at the beginning of your end step. If you descended this turn, you may pay one life if you return Corpse. And so you make a 3-2 that 
they pretty much have to block. Right. If they do block it, you then can just return it to your hand to just keep doing it over and yeah. over again. And if you're if you're pairing this with that pup that like bounces things back to Right. You maybe could be like with a million mana being like, make a skeleton, back, make another one yeah. for six. Like I think that this card is not good most of the time, but in very rare scenarios, this card is gonna be a lot of really silly fun to Oh, for sure. I could actually see it being standard playable. Um, I think the card that stood out to me the most is like a card I would like for um, a rare. Is um, So there's obviously that Merfolk that's going to get played in Modern. I think he's already just good enough. It's like a 3-mana Flash Merfolk that's like counter ability. Um, and then it's like a Pithing Needle. So that's really cool. I think it's boring, though, to talk about. I think everybody's already kind of like set, said what they can say about the card sure. i'm excited about more commander stuff uh just because i've been playing a lot of that lately at the shop with with with, with uh anybody that comes in but uh skull spore nexus it's like our new great henge so it's green green and six eight mana legendary artifact this spell costs x less to cast where x is the greatest power among creatures you control so that's kind of what great henge already had but this is much cheaper i think great henge was a 10 drop as opposed to an eight drop and and then it has the ability, whenever one or more non-token creatures you control die, create a green fungus dinosaur token with base power and toughness equal to the total power of those creatures. So it's not like you're getting X power equal to X creatures. It's X combined power if they field nuke you, but you keep your artifact. All of a sudden you get huge tokens. And then it has the ability to pay two and tap to double a creature's power until end of turn. So if you're responding to a field, you can double your biggest guy's power like you never lost him. And after that, you're just doubling the guy's powers for like, your best trampler just to get in there. I think this card is legit. I actually could see it being pretty good and limited because there are cards that I was a pretty big fan of that um, don't really get talked about. So we used to have this card back in the day, Eight Reforged, where you would play cons or dragons. And it was like four mana cons, get two green on your first main phase there's a dinosaur that does that it's called hulking raptor green green and two and it's a five three with war two so hard to kill but it has at the beginning of your pre-combat main phase guns on the board, add two green. if this card's in play it's already cost reducing the skull for nexus by five making it a three drop and then you get two green pips so it's a one drop with this guy in play I really think that that synergy is really strong, but in general, so many of these dinosaurs have such big powers, and explore enabling your biggest guy and bigger. I think if you draft Skull Spore Nexus, I would pack one picket, and I, I would like try to force some dino. It's pretty solid. Make me want to play Commander. <laughs> Stop it. Commander's been fun. We got we want to do some Commander for you guys as well. We're gonna think we're gonna look into getting some guests so we can play some Commander and record the game. You'll get to see me play Doctor Who, not because it's good, but because I love it. Thanks. Awesome. Well, uh, pretty much all I had to say. Yeah, that's it for our episode. We really appreciate you coming to check this out. I hope that this gives you some ideas of some cards that you can put in your decks at sea to help make your days a little bit better. If you have additional thoughts, feelings, opinions, or questions about like interactions or some synergies or some cards, feel free to reach out to us on Discord on Twitter, and we'll be happy to help you as best we can prepare for next week. So um, let's do our shout-outs. Uh, first off, Borsak Gaming for allowing us to uh, 
developer and helping us have a setup for a uh, video. Todd's been patiently with us for two hours helping us with the tech stuff. He's a god. Father Todd. And on top of that, we ship. Order off our website. We'll hook you up. We'll send you some tokens. You don't even have to sub to the Patreon to get tokens when I order off the website. But it, we would love to support there as well. Um, also, shout outs to Nancy Steroids for the music, intro and outro, as well intro as uh, when music. Frank is streaming on Twitch. Get the music. It's really good. I, I like it, at least. Um, we also have shout outs to MTG Chicago, Sal, hooking it up, letting us use his cameras in the store, recording some awesome gameplay. If you want to check out awesome gameplay from the Chicago land area, all the games are around here, not just us. A lot of really good players in our area, and the gameplay gets posted up there. I think and um, our thumbnail for this episode is going to be created by Sal. That's Sal. true. Sal's making so, a thumbnail for us. And he's, thank you for he's that. Awesome. Too. Appreciate it. And I'm back to recording again. So, my gameplay. Um, fail with Tron. <laughs> yeah, we're going to try to get some more streams up for you guys. So if you guys want to shoot us a follow on Twitch, we really appreciate it. Otherwise, uh, subscribe on YouTube. It's free. Follow on Twitch. It's free. Really, really would appreciate it, even if you maybe won't watch the whole video. But to those that have been watching and those that have gotten this far in the video, really, really appreciate you guys. Thanks so much for watching. All the shout out I have for today. So if we missed you, send me an email. I will graciously apologize. <laughs> Otherwise, um, catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening. Have a good one. Bye bye.